Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast, but this is a special rookie snapshot edition Joining me today is Eric Edholm, who is our Yahoo Sports Draft expert. Uh, Eric, say hello to all the people. Hello to all the people. What's going on out there? And since not everybody in the fantasy community or those who listen to the fantasy pod are familiar with your ins and outs, um, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, um, the unfortunate teams that you root for, Yeah. Um, all that? You will know me from my great work uh, from the uh, Yitour Matos or Gross Matos scouting report that I just filed. No, really. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been back at Yahoo since last year covering the draft full time. And uh, let's see, unfortunate teams I root for. I uh, went to the University of Missouri. We don't win a lot of games typically. So that's, uh, that's going to oh, be a... But- the Drew Locke love must be high. Oh, it's high. Yeah, Drew's a good guy. I, I like him. I like his family, too. And uh, it's been fun watching him get the opportunity. We'll see. I mean... He always left you wanting a little bit more in college, but it wasn't always on him as well. So that's that's the the Drew experience as best as I can sum it up. And you're based in Chicago. I am indeed. Yep, been living here for quite a while. I know you have roots in this uh, in this area as well. Grew up in Boston, but now in Chicago. So I think I'm more Midwest than I am East Coast at this point. Yeah, it's funny. I went to college on the East Coast in New England, right? But grew up in Chicago. And actually, my cousin, my step cousin, I should say, went to the high school in your neighborhood, which I don't want to necessarily say out loud. Okay, you can slack it to me later. Yeah. All right. So the concept of this podcast heading into the draft is to really focus on these rookies. We're going to go position by position. We're kicking things off with wide receiver because it is such a deep, talented class this year. Um, we're going to do our top five guys, and these aren't necessarily Eric's top five guys or my top five guys, but the guys that we think are getting the most buzz that are likely to be drafted ahead of the rest. And then we will do another episode where we do, because again, this draft class is so deep with talent, um, a bit of a grab bag. But we're going to kick things off, and <laughs> it's interesting. Um, Brett wrote this outline, a producer who you all are familiar with from the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast that usually uh, airs on Fridays. And he wanted to start things off with Henry Ruggs, who is not who I would have wanted to start things off with. I don't know about you, but it's interesting because he's a Broncos fan and I might be getting ahead of myself, but I think that as a Broncos fan, speaking of the Drew Locke experience, Brett might be a little hopeful that Ruggs will be joining the squad in Mile High. Um Let's, though, start off with 
one word when you were first watching his tape, whether you might have watched him live. I, I don't know. I watched tape. Um, yep. One word that immediately came to your mind when watching him play. All right. I'm going to go a little different route. I think you may cover this here, but I'm going to go with intensity because mm-hmm. when you watch him play, it's so fascinating. Yes, he, he catches the home run passes and all that, and he can he, he's a blur out there. But the plays that really stood out for me were the ones where he was blocking like a madman downfield. I realize that doesn't have a whole lot of uh, application to fantasy football, but it's going to endear him to the NFL coach that, that he ends up working with. You, you saw him tackle a Tennessee safety 50, 60 yards down the field after an interception. You know, you saw him going after plays that, Typical speed receivers don't do. So that was what really kind of got me excited about Henry Ruggs, in addition to his great physical skills. So I'm going to go with intensity as my one word. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, and also is the sort of nuance I would expect from a draft Nick at a major sports media outlet, <laughs> um, because he is not just a one trick pony. Now, my word was Zoom. Perhaps that's because my email inbox is full of zoom invites and so that is the first thing on my mind but of course I'm referring to his speed we all have seen the combine stats by now right he has uh, the third he clocked the third fastest 40 yard dash time in combine history didn't quite edge out John Ross but my goodness he came close so I you talk about his intensity I talk about his speed I think what's important to remember when you combine those two is that this is not a one-trick pony this is not Will Fuller some might say when Will Fuller you know came into the league that that was all he could do his route running certainly improved over a, a couple of seasons despite the fact that he can't stay on the field or healthy but I like that you mentioned intensity because Ruggs is much more than a speedster who can dictate coverage yeah, I agree. I think, you know, in, in a lot of different offenses, you would have seen his his route diversity showcased a little more. I mean, we've got two wide receivers on this team, on this Alabama team from last year. We're going to be drafting round one and then likely two more next year with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. It's probably the most gifted wide receiver group ever assembled on a college football team, one through four. So, you know, it, it, Ruggs didn't always get the opportunity to display those talents. But on those plays I just mentioned, and a play against Missouri last year that was called, or two years ago that was called back, you just saw how how gifted he really is, and I hope he lands in a good place. So I mentioned uh, his forty time, which was four point two seven seconds. What is a need to know stat in your estimation about Rugs? Uh, Ninety eight career catches, twenty four touchdowns. That means pretty much every four times he catches a pass, he's going to score with it. Granted. You know, this is Tua Tagovailoa. This is, you know, a great run game, an offensive line that would be as good as any other, you know, NFL uh, group, I think, in some cases. He's special, though. He takes the short passes a long way, and he can catch balls down the field as well. So that, you know, touchdown to reception ratio, you won't find it in too many guys on, on that level. Well, I already mentioned Will Fuller, and anyone who plays fantasy knows that he is a touchdown maker. Also, McCole Hardman, yeah. a similar conversion rate, right? His usage, his targets, I believe, uh, were second to Tyreek Hills, or about the same as Tyreek Hills, and yet uh, it, they were, I'm sorry, much less than Tyreek Hills, but his touchdown percentage uh, and his production in the end zone was the same as Hills. And I'm also mentioning Hill because we are going to talk about player comps next, and a very popular player comp 
when you mentioned his intensity in addition to his speed yeah. uh, for rugs has been, in fact, Tyreek Hill. Now, I, I want to put an asterisk next to that because I think that Tyreek Hill is the ceiling for Henry right. Ruggs. I don't think anyone should anticipate you know, uh, what Kansas City has going on to immediately happen to whatever offense Ruggs lands in or to expect that nuance to to his game to uh, develop immediately. But he does have that sort of ceiling and could make that kind of impact. I would say on the lower end of things, you're looking at Ted Ginn. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I like both of those. In fact, I, I may have split the difference a little bit. Ginn's had, Ginn's had a long career. You know, he's one of those guys that always finds work because he can run by safeties. And, you know, Tyreek Hill, obviously a lot of off the field stuff, but everybody would take him on their football team if it wasn't for that. So, yeah, I'm going to split the difference a little bit and go go Mike Wallace. Now, I may have shot a little low on that. And, and Mike Wallace had a really nice career with the Steelers. I think he was underused in some cases, got lost in, in a really talented wide receiver group. But you nice know, comeback he, in Miami, though, especially for, for fantasy fans, you know. Sure. Yeah, no, he's a good player. And I think maybe his statistics didn't always reflect just how good he was. So maybe Mike Wallace with a little shot of espresso or something like that. Oh, I like that. I like <laughs> that. So Team Fit, we've got a lot of um, a lot of offenses with need at the position. You think, though, that Ruggs may very well be the first wide receiver off the board? I do. Yeah. I mean, and what's yeah. crazy is, you know, I don't know if Brett saw my uh, my mock draft back in like October, November. I think it was the first one I did in 2019 for the 2020 draft. I put rugs at number six. At that point, his Broncos were struggling a little bit. And I just said with the qualifier of guys who run as fast as he's expected to run. And we later saw it was the 427. Very mm-hmm. seldom last very long. Right. And you add the fact that he is this competitive football player with a burning fire. Great you know, personal and uh, football character as well. So I don't know that he makes it to 15. If the Broncos really want him, they may have to trade up. And I think a team like the New York Jets could consider him at 11. There might even be a team or two above that that could actually check him out. So that's pretty high, you know, especially for the guy who was the third leading receiver on his team last year. But I also could understand why a team that high. I mean, they lose Robbie Anderson. Sam Darnold needs a deep threat. I'm not convinced Perryman's the 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 you know mm-hmm. apple for apple replacement. That's that's a spot I can see him landing. I'm just worried if that is the case, and you make uh, that that all makes very sense to me. It's a very cogent argument. I don't know if Henry Ruggs excels as a number one receiver if he is right. enough for Sam Darnold, right? Because you mentioned the historic offense that Alabama had with three incredible receivers who are at the top of every record book and stat sheet, right? Yep. So I don't know if if Ruggs can do what he does best without someone like Cortland Sutton, which yep. is why we keep mentioning Denver, um, pulling defensive attention. Absolutely. It makes sense. And, and I thought about the Oakland Raiders, too, and, and I, had, I fit them for one of our other uh, receivers that we're going to talk about later. But, yeah, I mean, with, at least in Oakland, you've got Hunter Renfro, some pretty good tight ends, Tyrell mm-hmm. Williams, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs can catch passes. So I, I considered Oakland and they're picking 12th in the draft. But you make a fair point. I would love to see Ruggs paired with, you know, that, that Michael Pittman type receiver, the bigger guy on the outside who can do different things than he can. Yeah. All right. So let's um, let's move along to the second receiver we have listed. Let's talk about Ruggs' teammate, Jerry Judy, also at Alabama. He was considered the team's number one, although Devonta Smith did certainly um, 
light things up from a t- statistical standpoint. Yeah. Um, what is the one word that jumped out for you when watching Judy? I, I used wiggly and I wanted to mm. say herky jerky, but I wasn't sure if you'd allow that as a one word. I think it's a hyphen in there. I know, we got to go to the judges on this one. I'm not sure if herky jerky would be one or two, but still I settled on wiggly and the fact that that's a compliment. His route running is really precise, but he's got this unorthodox style where he's kind of got arms and legs flying everywhere, but he makes it work. It's it's not extra wasted motion. And so he just throws defensive backs off their game. It's really tough to cover him in man coverage. You know, he doesn't have blinding speed like rugs, but I think he's a more precise route runner. He's tough after the catch. He's got that little kind of running back sort of uh, mentality when he gets the ball in his hands. And he's just a, a... a pain, man. I, I would have uh, nightmares about trying to stop this guy, especially in the open field. So he's got that wiggle that you really can't teach. I think wiggle is a night. I like wiggle more than herky jerky because the word to me that uh, came to mind while watching him was finesse. And yeah. to me, he's not. You're right that he's kind yeah. of all over the place, but it's a very contained, almost like balletic. It's not, yeah. it's not, um, it's not like, uh, I don't chaotic know what the, uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's not chaotic. It's not staccato-y. It is very like languid and finishing. And and so the finesse to me, he wins with over physicality or brute strength, right? He's not uh, he's not like necessarily boxing out in the way that some of these other guys we're going to talk about are boxing out. It all seems much more elegant. And so I appreciate the precision and the finesse with which he wins. Um, I will admit right now, I might be the only person who is not head over heels in love with Judy's game. I find it just from watching it. And again, part of a historic offense he was doing, is, I find it a little bit boring. <laughs> That's okay. Not everybody is. But, is... I, but I think when you've got Devonta Smith and you've got uh, Henry Ruggs doing all of these explosive wild things, you kind of got the straight man in Jerry Judy just doing the job on the outside. Yeah. And, and he did work a little bit as a big slot too, but like he was just, you know, he just, he was kind of a workman to me and it wasn't, it wasn't as exciting. And my eyes kept being pulled to the other two receivers and th- that's not, you're, you're obviously the scout. Um, But I will say that in this evaluation process, I've been a little bit like, yeah, he's like elegant and smooth and precise and, Gets the job done, but it's not nearly as um, enthralling in a way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, I talked to one team who had only one receiver with a first-round grade. And, I mean, he's a hard grader. He's, you know, I've talked to him for years, and he's 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 been pretty on the mark with receivers. And he sort of felt the same. He said, I like Judy more in 2018 when he was more of the feature of the offense and saw a little bit more of that explosive ability that, that, that you felt was lacking. And you're right. I mean, Outside of the bowl game and a handful of others, he didn't have a lot of monster games. He had the the three drops against LSU. There was, you know, there were some warts to his game this year. So I think as we sort of circle back, people have kind of talked themselves into him a little bit more. But like you, I I, I wasn't blown away. This is not a, you know, Calvin Johnson type of uh, prospect we're talking about here. And I think he's definitely uh, like at the top of this very talented class and he is going to make an impact, especially because you and I both believe he's going to go before the 15th pick of the first round. So he has an opportunity in a real football sense and in a a fantasy perspective to make an immediate impact. Um, I just I just didn't like see myself like jumping up and cheering every time he did something. It's like, oh, wow, that's pretty. That was cool. And what he excelled at the most was obviously and this is important for both fantasy and real life as well. 
scoring touchdowns. Yep. You know, he he won the Bolitnikoff after leading the SEC and receiving touchdowns. And this was to your earlier point in 2018 with 14 scores. What to you was the need to know snap? Yeah. From and, and just piggybacking off yours, 24 touchdowns in his last 24, 28 games. So even in what was considered a down season for him, mm-hmm. he finished really strong at the end of the year and, and he found ways to get in the end zone. And I don't know, you, you score 10 touchdowns in an offense, even as explosive as Alabama's was. I mean, he technically played better in some respects, with Mac Jones at quarterback than he did with Tua Tungavailoa. So that tells me he's sort of quarterback-proof in a lot of ways. He can run the short routes, the long routes, make yards after the catch, kind of do everything to help his quarterback out. That's why I sort of like him a lot as a fantasy option in the sense that, you know, he's not one of these guys who's dependent on his quarterback being perfectly precise and on point. So he just finds ways into the end zone, and, and I think that'll translate very nicely no matter where he lands. I'm comping him to Stefan Diggs. And now Diggs obviously, you know, was a fifth round pick. And so we're thinking about it in those terms. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, Diggs was very much overlooked. And and like like uh, Judy, Diggs doesn't have blazing speed. He's not the biggest guy. But with that route running ability, the quickness in and out of the brakes, you know, he can slam on the brakes, let the defender go right by and, and scoot to the end zone. That's really the type of receiver I see a lot of. Who who do you uh, who do you like a comping him to? Well, I understand when I saw you wrote digs down, I understood it completely because of the the precision and the and the route running yeah. technique makes complete sense. I opted for Amari Cooper, who is basically a less consistent, less exciting Stefan Diggs in many ways. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, Amari Cooper, it's not just because they both went to Alabama, right. but the technique um, at the time, Cooper was obviously considered the most heading out of the draft, the most um, refined route runner in his class. And so I think the same is true of Judy. Um, but he hasn't always he's always had those flashes and we've we've seen his ceiling, but he hasn't been able to stay consistent. And so I thought about the same thing um, as this past season for Judy uh, and and how I'd like I'd like to see it. I'd like to see at the next level him sustain and improve. Yep. Yep. Makes perfect sense. And, and I think his landing spot's going to be important too, as far as whether, whether he can do that in year one or year two, or, or it's going to take a little longer. And where are you, where are you projecting him? To? I'm going to go 49ers. You know, they trade into that number 13 spot. And wait, wait, Eric, how many mocks have you done? If you're projecting him to the 49ers? I will look, Hey, you know, <laughs> things change. That That's what I tell people I all know. the time. Well, you know, you had him at this spot. Yeah. Things have changed. Right. So, when the 49ers, but this is the Colts' old spot. This is the Colts' old pick. That's right, yeah. So not 31, right? We're talking 13 right. here. But, you know, I just kept hearing Kyle Shanahan, you know, the, all the rumors about him wanting to work with Odell Beckham. I don't think Judy is Odell. He doesn't have that, you know, that explosive Electric. ability that, that Odell does. Yeah. But he plays a similar style of game, I think. He can break down defensive backs in the same way. I mean – to me, you put him in an offense with Debo and that run game and Kittle and everybody else there. Fill that void for Emmanuel Sanders there. It's 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 a great swap out of my opinion. It's a younger version of Emmanuel Sanders in some ways. So I, I just think it makes a lot of sense there at 13. I, I'm going to project him to the Raiders. Okay. So uh, one pick ahead of the Colts' old spot, now the San Francisco yep. 49ers. Um you know, when I look at Tyrell Williams' durability issues, and then you, you know, you mentioned, um, oh, who's the second-year player, the slot guy's name's Hunter evading Renfro. me, right? Yep. Hunter Renfro. Yep. Um, and now the addition of Nelson Aguilar, 
you know, there's this this is a like a very slot heavy team and i like you know judy can excel on the outside so we can replace williams on the outside let williams be the speed guy and not have to be that number one let him dictate coverage and then kind of be the workman that moves inside and out a la robert woods in uh when look when looking at the rams the past two seasons but before brandon cooks was eventually like loosed from the team right so i think you've got hunter renfro playing the cooper cup role you've got tyrell williams playing the brandon cooks role and then that would allow judy to play the robert woods role in that offense or how about you know the antonio brown role that they had earmarked you know i mean they thought antonio brown was going to be the focal point of their offense now i mean i love that i think that makes perfect sense well, thank you. Oh. Um, so now, speaking of, like this next receiver is my favorite. I love this player. This was a player who, when watching him, I did tense up and jump and hoot and <laughs> holler because C.D. Lamb did some work at Oklahoma. And I'm not going to ask you first. I'm going to go redhead. When go. I was watching his tape, I have this little um, notebook. Like, I don't just type everything. I actually use, like, a notebook and a pen. I love it. Uh, like like a true elder millennial. And <laughs> um, I wrote instincts, instincts, instincts. Because this dude just gets it. His body automatically re- reacts. And his brain is, like, just enough ahead of his body. And I love everything he does. Yep. Yep. And I use the word refined and I heard you use that a couple different times. Let, let me do, let me throw one more if I can control and sure. it plays off exactly what you said, the body control that he displays, whether it's navigating the sideline, you know, finding the right angles to take in the secondary, uh, you know, winning jump ball situations, whatever it is, that body control he has is absurd. Now he doesn't blow by people. I mean, that's the thing. He ran a very respectable four five forty. That's about as fast as I would have expected from him. I Like you, I have a little pad of paper I wrote down when I watched him. I said, yeah, mid four or five speed, but who cares, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, I, I just see so much playmaking ability in him. And uh, I don't know, he excites me too. He's my number one wide receiver as well. So we think alike there. There is a craftiness, right? He has this inexhaustible yes. bag of tricks, whether it is a stiff arm or a stutter step or a pivot. And uh, it is uh, he his yards after the catch. I mean, he's a yak monster. Yep. Um, and I just can't get enough of I, I don't know what's coming next. He continually surprises me and in a positive way because he is always gaining yards and producing. That's it. That's it. He is so good. And, and that reflects into my need to know stat, which is catches of 40 yards or more, which you would normally associate with the speed guy, right? Somebody who can take the top off mm-hmm. the defense. But for him, it's the ability to separate, whether it's all those little subtle moves, the shoulder dips, you know, yes. all the, the hesitation. He has build-up speed, too, where he can sort of, you know, lull guys to sleep a little bit. 24 catches of 40 yards or more for a quote-unquote non-speed guy. I'll take him. I, that'll translate to the NFL for me. That is ball skills like yep. that. That is the definition of knowing what to do with your body um, and an and advanced football IQ. Uh, mine is, and this is per Sports Info Solutions, a yards per reception average of 21.4, which was the wide receiver one for that statistical category in 2019. Same point as yours, right? This is not a guy who's running a 4-2 or a 4-3. This is a guy who just has the instincts to succeed. And, you know, good luck. Good luck, defenders. <laughs> Yeah. So I love his versatility too. Um, who are you? Who are you comping him to? I believe the physicality that we're mentioning in his play is why you're choosing this pro comp. 
Yeah. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was the guy he reminded me most of. I almost said Reggie Wayne. I couldn't quite go there. That's a, you know, that's a Hall of Fame level player. And Hopkins is probably going to be in that discussion one day. I always hesitate to like, man, that's a big, big comp. But as you said, the more you watched uh, CD Lamb, the more you could appreciate just how subtle, how good he is at the subtle things. And, you know, I, I think he's got the, the work ethic to be as good as Hopkins, get him in the right type of system. You know, he's he's a he's a really good player. I didn't have him. I didn't give him an, an insane grade, but he ended up being, I think, one of my you know top 11, 12 players overall. And I think he's going to be a a Pro Bowl level talent. That's why I went with Hopkins. Who'd you get? So I I initially went with Hopkins, and that does seem to be the most popular comp that yeah. you're going to see if you if you go on Twitter and stuff. But I have to be honest, when I was watching him, um. So I like to watch everything, write it down, and then kind of go and see what other experts are saying to see if there's overlap in in perspective. I saw Chris Godwin. To me, he climbs all the ladders. He does all the things. Uh, he is now, I mean, who knows if he'll be number 12 or number 14. I'm talking about CeeDee <laughs> Lamb. We know that Chris Godwin's now going to be number 14. That's right. Lord, a day without Tom Brady news. What are we going to do? I don't know. You're a Patriots <laughs> fan. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, all 32, baby. I am a fan of all 32. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just saw Chris Godwin because I felt like the body control, the ball tracking, the ball skills, uh, he could do all the things and also the versatility to work as a Z. Like, I, I do think he could be your number one who does all of the things. Yep. Yep. It makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, and that's what makes him fit on almost any type of offense, right? I mean, even if you had another receiver with similar skills on the other side, okay, then you have double the, 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 the potency. I mean, I, you know, he's not the type of guy we were talking about with rugs earlier where you feel like you have to have a, a perfect compliment to him. That's mm-hmm. why I love about lamb. I think he fits every single offense in the NFL. He, he's going to be really good. And, and I, that's why I pegged him to the Raiders. That's why I thought the best team fit might be Oakland because he can run the deep comebacks. He can run the outs, the slants, you know, he can run the fades. He can run the, uh, you know, the, the comebacks and the search routes, all those, you know, the over route even for, for that offense. So, I just feel like Oakland, you know, one of these three receivers certainly could help him. Lamb, to me, makes a lot of sense. I think that that is a very good pick, but I think that the Raiders are not going to have the opportunity to draft him because the Jets, regrettably for C.D. Lamb, are going to (laughs) take him one spot ahead at 11. I mean, you know, you just also, Matt Harmon and I talked about this on last week's fantasy podcast, and when you look at what other teams like, the Cardinals are doing for Kyler Murray, the weapons they're surrounding him with, speaking of New Hopkins, and uh, what what the Browns have done for uh, Baker Mayfield and what Buffalo is doing for Josh Allen. Do something for (laughs) Sam Darnold. Please. My gosh. You know, like, you need to give him some weapons, and to me, there is not no more versatile weapon who could work with Perryman. You don't have to pigeonhole him or shoehorn him into an offense like you just said. Um, and so I would like to see him go number 11. He's my favorite, and I think that your first, the first receiver is going to come off the board in this, like, 11, 12, 13. You're going to see three receivers probably go, right? And yep. I like him the most, so I want him to go the, the first. It wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, there are some teams that have Lamb as their number one guy, and, and there are some teams that have Judy, some that have Rudd. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that that little domino effect happens. So now there tends to be a little bit of a break, right? We all agree there's three um, 
selection spots in the draft for these franchises yeah. and three of this top tier receiver. And then there's a break and people kind of argue about how to rank the remaining receivers in the second tier. Denzel Mims of Baylor, I really like. Like, I might like him more than Jerry Judy just from a um, watching college tape perspective because right. I, I wrote for my, you know, you, you said, are you allowed to write? A hyphenated word. Well, I wrote a phrase because to me, when I watch his game, I was just like, not today, Satan. He is not putting up with anybody's guff there. You know, he is not the most athletically gifted um, receiver, although that was the knock, at least about him heading into the combine. And he did seem to like, sh- like quiet the naysayers with awesome scores. Uh, the 40 yard dash score, the three cone score was 6.66. So not today, Satan. Um, and I really love the competitive grit that he plays with and just that whole like Matt Royal really brought that whole like replacements underdogs energy to Baylor. And I thought that showed through in Mims's game exceptionally well. Yep. I think I think you're right about that. Had had there been another coach there, you know, maybe he wouldn't have, you know, been able to get that side out of him. So that's a great call there. I, I went with the word explosive and, and it kind of parlays off what you said a little bit. I mean, you know, the plays that he made downfield, the leaping catches and things like that. And, you know, the, the, the ability to kind of blast through press coverage and, and, you know, do all the things he can do and, and threaten the seam at, you know, at six foot three, you know, I mean, this is somebody who's, who's pretty tall, pretty long receiver, you know, could he stand to put on some weight? Yeah. So there's some holes in his game. Yeah. I mean, but the athletic ability on the, the kind of the, what I call the freak plays, you know, the plays that make you, sit up in your chair, even if it's only a 12 yard mm-hmm. catch, but he does something dynamic. It's like, yeah. wow, there's that explosion that he can show. Scouts were not wild about him until late in the year. I think late in the year, right. people finally started catching on a little bit and he's really built the momentum senior bowl combine uh, up to this point. So let's talk about, let's skip around a little bit because I want to talk about the comp because yeah. I feel like there is a pre a pre-MIMS comp, I'm sorry, a pre-combine MIMS comp, and then a post-combine MIMS comp. And they seem to have changed. The narrative around him, to your point, has changed. And I want to say, when I watched him, he reminded me of Alshon Jeffrey, mm. like a like a, an Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, I don't want to. I don't like throwing AJ Green around, but more of a like tough, um, high point, great in contested situations. Um, uh, I, that kind of like natural hands receiver um, with a physicality about him. And then, you know, after the combine, when he put up, you know, wild scores, um, everyone was like, well, is this guy kind of like a more aggressive Tyrell Williams? And I was like, well, I mean, or, or like a fast Elshon Jeffrey. Like, is that what you're basically saying? Right. So I think to me, he is just a more athletically, in terms of measurables, gifted Elshon Jeffrey, which I like much more than a more aggressive Tyra Williams. And I'm sure Tyra Williams' mom doesn't appreciate her son not being called aggressive either. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's probably the case. Uh, I went a little lower, but I mean, I, I still really like the player. I went with DJ Shark, who, you know, had he had he played earlier at LSU, I think would have been able to showcase the skills that he at times has, you know, in his first couple seasons. But you know, uh, you, you, the, the measurables stick out. You see him run vertically. You say, you know, guys that big don't often run that well. So, you know, I think Chark could have been a first-round pick had he played, had Les Miles decided to play him instead of some some five-star guys who ended up transferring. So, you know, that's kind of the name that I that I hung on early in the process. 
And I haven't really heard other people say that one. So I'm sticking with it. I'm stubborn like that. But yeah, I, you know, Shark is somebody who could break out in the right offense a little bit mired in what's going on with Jacksonville now. And I worry about that with Mims. Like if he doesn't go into the right place, you know, his, he's got some volatility to his fantasy stock from that perspective. I think he's a little more QB dependent than, uh, you know, than a, a Lamb or even a Judy for that, uh, for that matter. So then what is the stat, the yeah. need to know stat that you think encompasses his game? His hands still need work for all the great catches that he made when he required concentration, you know, like the, the jump balls, yeah. the 50-50 balls, those sorts of things. It's the easy drops, the catchable balls. You know, he had 18. Focus drops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 18 drops on, I think the number is 139 catchable passes over the last two years. So, you know, number one, it tells you that there were some off-target passes, right? We're probably only talking about him actually getting about five or six on-target throws per game on average. But if you're dropping one of them or, you know, on average per game or a little less than that, you know, you can lose the, the trust of your quarterback or your offensive coordinator or your head coach. That's the one thing that worries me about him. He's got outstanding ability. He's starting to put it all together with the right coach, the right situation. He could be special. But those are the kind of things that hold me back on him a little bit. My stat, I mentioned already the three cone time of 6.66, which was the best among wide receivers. And also, you know, you mentioned his size. And it's one thing, you know, receivers have size. Some receivers have speed. Mims at least right now, post-combine, appears to have both of those things. And the main stat I want to mention, though, is that his spark score is among uh, his spark score among rookie wide receivers is at 94.6%. So he does have the measurables. You're right that the concentration focus drops. Um, but still, like his ball tracking ability, there is an inconsistency. There is... Um, a lack of reps, a lack of polish, a greenness to his game. He's a little bit sloppy at the top of his routes. Um, so there needs to be some refining done. Yep. He's not as polished or, or pro-ready as the first three that we talked about. Um, but where do you think – maybe not – I have two questions. Where do you think it would be most beneficial to him to land, and where do you think he's actually going to land? Because we both have him projected to go to the same spot. Great question. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> – that's now the more I think about it, because a lot of people have, have said Green Bay could be the spot. Maybe it could be, but we've seen how Aaron Rodgers can freeze out a young receiver, you know, who runs a wrong yeah. route or drops the ball. So I'm oh, put, the soliloquies the I wrote side. about Equinemius St. Brown. My oh, yeah. goodness, those are oh. all on fire now. Yeah, there are a lot of dog houses in Green Bay. It seems like they're filled up with wide receivers. But so I'll put that one to the side. The, the team we both picked, I mean, I went with the Minnesota Vikings simply because they lose digs. You know, Adam Thielen can do what he does, but you still want somebody to kind of do a little more downfield work. You know, I mean, there are times when Kirk Cousins throws a really pretty deep ball. There are other times when it's not so good. But, you know, that's a spot that, even while the Laquan Treadwell comparisons will come in, that's the, the, the uh, little bit of a scary thing if I you land in Minnesota, right? But I, I can see that that's working out. That's not a fair comp, though. I know. I I'm just saying, like, comp. you know, yeah. recent wide receiver bust in round one, you know, the, 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 the memory is still a little raw in people's minds there. So, you know, I, I can see him getting that unfair tag, I would say. 
I just keep thinking, I mean, like, I do think going to the 49ers would probably be best for him Yeah. Um, to work with an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, who took Debo Samuel, right? And, like, recreated the wing back. Like, that's a thing now. So, um, I, and I loved Debo because, again, he had that physicality, that toughness, that grit. I tend to like players with that. Um, but I don't think the 49ers are going to take Mims. I think, like you said, Minnesota is the likely landing spot because of the vacancy now left by Stephon Diggs. But I also think when you look at that locker room, like Diggs was certainly a stirrer, right? Like he'd be posting weird no uh, emojis and he and Kirk Cousins didn't really get along. And I think that because of Royals presence at Baylor and just the stigma surrounding the Bears that... um Mims has like the personality and like the molding almost to fit into a situation where he can be coached up and to have Kirk Cousins be able to like have his guy and have a bond with him and clear the slate makes a lot of sense for this franchise and this player. I get it. I completely, I completely agree with you. I hadn't even considered sort of the personality fit of it all, but you know, that's what these NFL teams are doing. You know, why wouldn't we want to do that? Why wouldn't we want to make sure that, this type of temperament is going to work with this type of coach. It's the same as skill sets fitting in an offense or defense. So it, it makes perfect sense. All right, last guy. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson, LSU. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Um, uh, all right, number one word. I think we've, we've both got a similar vibe on the guy, but yours? Uh, my word was reliable. You know, he was he was the slant guy. I mean, how many times did LSU run slam patterns this year where Jefferson was catching it and, and dragging a guy for an extra, you know, seven or eight yards? It was, you know, third and six. I, I'm shocked people didn't sit on those slants, but that that's a testament to Jefferson. They oftentimes knew it was coming, and, you know, he, he worked those two-way goes really well. You know, he carved off his routes beautifully. He's got a good length to him. But more than anything, it was just the fact that when a pass was anywhere close to him and they absolutely needed it, he caught the ball, and that was just exciting for me to watch. I mean, you know, reliability is an exciting trait for NFL people. Yeah. They want people they can count on, and that's to me, that's Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be a really solid pro in a lot of different ways. So I was thinking about productivity, reliability, but also I got to maneuverability because to me, I, I don't know, like this is a little window into the process I get. When, when you're watching tape, sometimes I look at, um, a player and I'm like oh this reminds me of this so so watching Justin Jefferson reminded me of my senior year of college where my roommate um, had like a Firebird convertible and I had a, a, <laughs> like an old old Jeep Wrangler that like was stick shift straight four engine right. and but her Firebird her Firebird was also stick shift so I'd have to like move it out of the driveway all the time um and I was the only other, like, we lived with, in a house with a couple of other people, but we were the only two who knew how to drive sticks, so we were the uh -huh. only two allowed to move the cars. And I remember going from my crappy, like, 95 Wrangler um, with no air conditioning or heating, no power, <laughs> anything, and then, like, moving my car, my tin can, to the curb, and then getting in her Firebird, and like, ooh, 
it was so, the touch was just so gentle and it moved so quite. And when I was watching Justin Jefferson, I was like, wow, we talk about quarterbacks having touch, but this is a receiver with touch. This is a receiver yes. who like very gently can adjust and not in a dynamic, explosive, big way like CeeDee Lamb or an uber, obviously physical way like Mims, but just a, a tiny little maneuver that makes all the difference in the world and makes him very reliable. So I don't know if that makes sense. But there's just a it's not even precision. It's just a tiny little pitter pat Mm -hmm. to his game. That's nuanced, I guess. Yeah. And when you have that car in your life, when you when that, I mean, I still don't. But whatever. Well, yeah. But it it gives (laughs) you that 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 sense of, of, you know, of calmness. Right. Uh, uh, That's that's what you need. Every quarterback could use a Justin Jefferson for exactly the reason that you had your. What was you say a ninety five Wrangler? I had an eighty seven Mercury Cougar. It didn't treat me quite the same, but <laughs> I, I get where you're going with this for sure. Yes, you know my Wrangler was like the tough and rumble De- Debo Samuel that like gr- okay. gr- gut you know like grumbled a bunch, but it kind of matched me. And my roommate was this like tall brunette, lang like skinny brunette, and she just had this convertible. And I, every time I rode it, I was like, well, this is different living, you know. <laughs> but your roommate was Jamar Chase. Right. You know, we're going to yeah. take that comp another well, now, step. Well, now or... it's going all over the place. But like, <laughs> yes, so there is there is just a there is just a, a, a like a touch to his game, a maneuverability that I think is why he's is part of the reason, at least uh, as to why he's so reliable and productive. Absolutely. I 100 percent agree. So the stat. I've got a, a very interesting stat that maybe explains how he was used in college and how I think he'll be used in the NFL, which is that. 109 out of 111 of his catches this year came from the slot. And you may not think of him in that sort of, you know, Julian Edelman slot receiver mold, but we've seen in the NFL, and I know you're obviously aware of these guys, the the bigger slots sort of, he's not a a massive receiver or anything like that, but he's a little longer than your typical slot receiver. And, And it's a thing now, and more teams are using this where they can as long as they've got that little quickness to, to kind of carve off their routes and make sharp cuts and things like that, you know, you give yourself a big target over the middle of the field, you may not need a tight end. You may have other designs you're offensively you can use. So to me, him winning on the outside, I don't love him as a receiver. He'd probably be a third-round mm-hmm. pick if he was simply an outside receiver. But the fact that he really honed his craft in the slot last year, it gives him a benefit, but it also kind of clearly defines his role. To me, he's... You know, I'd rather see him working 80% of the time inside uh, and maybe 20 or less outside. I 100% agree with you. Um, When you talked about honing his craft, that leads into the stat that I like the most about him. He didn't catch a single ball in his first year as a Tiger, 2017. That's right. Two years later led the nation with 111 grabs and the second most receiving scores with 18 just behind, by the way, his teammate, Jamar Chase, who had 20. Jamar Chase. We'll be talking about Jamar next year at this time, by the way. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Comp him. I'm going to break a rule, right? I I was told at one point that uh, you, you couldn't comp people of different skin color. He's Cooper Cup. He's that guy who has that precision to his game. He's got a great feel for football. He understands the soft spots and zones. Now, he's faster than than Cooper Cup. May not be quite as big as Cooper, but I, when you watch him kind of manipulate defenders and, and, and find those creases and things like that, that's a lot of what Jefferson did last year. Now, Coop might, Coop, uh, Cooper Cup, excuse me, might be a little more, 
little more refined and advanced at this stage, but that's kind of the role that I could see him playing in the NFL. And think about what Cub did to the Rams offense. You know, obviously McVay gets a lot of credit and everything else, but he was a crucial part that first year when they first broke out. So I, I could see Jefferson having somewhat of a similar effect to wherever he lands. Well, working as a security blanket is absolutely essential, especially if you have a younger quarterback. And let's be honest, this is a league in which the old guard at signal caller is changing over. So there's a a likelihood that he'll be with a young-ish quarterback. Um, You know, um, and I also feel like... He's. You, you, I feel like the technique and precision with which he played at LSU is overshadowed often, not just by Jamar Chase's um, incredible athleticism and and his twenty touchdowns, but also the fact that Joe Burrow is a wildly accurate passer. And so it's a little bit of that Drew Brees, Michael Thomas conversation, right? Like, is an yeah. aging Mike is an aging Drew Brees accurate because he has the most efficient receiver in the league, or is Michael Thomas the most efficient receiver in the league because he has an uber accurate Drew Brees throwing him the ball? And so it'll be interesting to see, regardless of where Jefferson lands, which one of those things, chicken or the egg, kind of came first. I comped him. To at his ceiling, Keenan Allen. Mm. At his floor, Tyler Boyd. Both good players, too. I mean, if he lands somewhere between Boyd and Allen, you know, I mean, Boyd, it took him a couple years to get going. Once he did, he became a pretty reliable player for for the Bengals. I mean, that that makes that makes a a pretty you know, that's a safe pick right there. And Keenan Allen, you know, you see players all the time on, on on Twitter saying, you know, who's the best route runner? Keenan Allen. Who's the most underrated receiver? Keenan Allen. He gets it all the time. I love it. I think it's great. But the difference is one that to me, the difference is Keenan Allen. And he talked about this actually in reference last summer to Juju Smith-Schuster having to be promoted from wide receiver two to the number one on the squad. Keenan Allen was able to successfully transition as not just a slot player, but the number one Tyler Boyd. We saw last year without AJ green, not nearly as productive. His job is to be a number two. Juju Smith Schuster's job is to be a number two. The quarterback situation in Pittsburgh obviously didn't help things last season, but I think that Jefferson is a high floor player who projects to be a solid number two. If, he can continue to evolve, then maybe he hits Keenan Allen's status. But that, again, is ceiling status. Yep, yep. And so that reliability seems to fit pretty well with your your team fit, too. I mean, I think that would be – we were talking earlier about the the doghouses. I, I like your pick for, for a team fit. Well, you're, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers wanting a uh, reliable receiver who can absolutely catch the ball, Green Bay <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Also, yeah. some scouts have comped – Jefferson to Devontae Adams. Now, I don't I don't see Jefferson's play strength at the same level as Devontae Adams. I don't think he's as physical a player, but yep. it would make sense if there is enough uh, overlap in those two skill sets that you might want to do a next-gen situation with Devontae Adams now in his late 20s. Sure. Um, and, and that mentorship, um, if you're looking to the future, especially because you have an aging quarterback too. So I, I, yep. I think Green Bay makes a lot of sense for, for Jefferson. I pick Philly. I think the Eagles need a reliable receiver. They oh, they were plagued by drop preach. passes. You know, they had injuries at the position. Jefferson played like a thousand snaps last year, so they never came off the field. I, you know, he's he's sort of got that that sort of, you know, he's the guy at the gym who can you know win on the basketball court and play like twelve straight games and never break out of sweat. He's that kind of an athlete. So yeah. I love his durability. 
I love the fact that he doesn't draw passes very often. And, you know, you, you stick him between, you know, you put him at Miles Sanders' offense and get that playmaking ability. You see if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can develop into a home run guy. You know, I mean, there's some interesting <laughs> potential. The two tight ends yeah. there. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, right, we haven't seen much yet. But, I, you know, that, that, that offense takes on a different dimension if you all of a sudden add somebody who's just chugging along, making those, those key short conversions. I like it a lot if, I mean, I don't know how Elshon Jeffrey stays, but um, right, or he's probably if, gone. Yeah, right. Um, or if Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy. My only worry is that Jefferson won't be able that he is, especially right now at the early stages of his pro career, able to be the number one. I think yeah. he was able to do what he did because he had Jamar Chase on the other side of the field, you know, working the outside and and taking away defensive coverage. So, I I think the I think it makes a lot of sense for him to to land in Philly. I just don't think he'd be best served or the fantasy community would be best served if he did land there. True. And the only, the only thing I thought was that like, I guess with Zach Ertz getting 130 targets, you know, there wouldn't be that, sure. that necessity of like, okay, we've got to force the ball in here, or put too much on his plate. That's an so, excellent point. But no, yeah. I mean, you're right though. Obviously as a, as a wide receiver running wide receiver routes, there also is that question of can you can you use a two tight end offense with a slot guy like Jefferson? So it raises a good point. I don't know. It, it may not be a perfect fit, but I know they they need some sort of reliability. So are you doing any more mocks? What do you have next in your constantly churning uh, draft coverage content? Yeah, what are we about uh, twenty four days from the draft? I think I have twenty eight mocks left. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I've got scouting reports about that many. I've got more than that actually. So I'll be cranking those out at about uh, seven or eight or nine a week, and probably at least one more. Probably one more, and then one more. So two more. Yeah, two. Okay. One plus two one. More, Is that how more. it adds? Yeah. Well, Eric and I will be back for another rookie snapshot next week, and we're going to talk about running backs. In the meantime, check the website for Eric's player write-ups, and I have a, a fantasy snapshot series of the five wide receivers we just discussed in more detail heading out in print starting next week so check that out in the meantime obviously Matt Harmon and I will be back with our regularly scheduled Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast later in the week and uh, you know you should follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF and that is at Eric with a C underscore Edholm E-R E-R-I-C underscore E-D-H-O-L-M and we're out say goodbye to the people Eric bye to the people Eric (laughs) 